Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. I wrote a book a, uh, a number of years. No, actually, I had a revelation that God hates the color beige. And uh, because beige is, is just so bland, it's just, you'll never find it in the colors of the rainbow. You'll find iridescent purple, you'll find fluorescent pink, you'll find oranges, you know, even earthy oranges, but you won't find beige because it was invented by Satan. <laughs> and because, because God hates mediocre, he hates mediocrity. He, he doesn't want you to live your life in the harbors of, 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 of the land. He wants you to live your life on the high seas of adventure. And you as a church, you know, attempting to plant 200 churches across four hubs is, is just the stuff of Christopher Columbus. It's the spirit of God. It's the spirit of missions. It's the... It was the spirit behind Vasco da Gama, the spirit behind Burke and Wills, the spirit behind every great explorer. And there's an explorer spirit in this church. And that's what God, want, God wants you to get a hold of. He wants you to ban beige in your life. I got into it so much that, that I wrote a book, and it's called Rage Against Beige. And, uh, and it's kind of like, I thought I'll put some pictures in it and I'll, I'll put some, and what I'll do, I'll just put some expressions, like I'll take out the word, like the word red and put beige, like beige sky night, devil's delight. Get it? Don't visit Beijing. Uh, you know, other, other, relevant, other relevant things like that. And, uh, and I, I sent it off to book publishers to get published and nobody wanted to publish it. And I felt hurt, felt wounded, you know. And then I picked myself up, or my PA did, and she sent it to Ikea in the United Kingdom. And I was sitting in Starbucks in London, and I get a phone call from Peter, the managing director of Ikea UK. And he, he said, he's talking to me, I thought it was my mate Glyn, like putting on a Swedish accent. So I wasn't very responsive for about a minute and a half, because I thought this is a prank, you know. People have pranked me a lot. And, uh, and after a while, I realized this is a, this is a fair dinkum Swedish guy. And, uh, and he said, I love the book. He said, he said, it's just brilliant. He said, how much do you want for it? And I'm thinking, well, it, it, like it took me about a day. If I was evangelistic, a day and a half. You know, it's just really quickly put together. He said, how much do you want for it? And I said, I, I, I said Peter, I don't have a clue. I said, how much? I, I said, I've got no idea because I wasn't going to sell it. I said, can you give me a ballpark figure? He, and then he said to me, you had to get me off the ground after this. He said, how does $100,000 sound? I said, Peter, because I'm a man of wisdom, I said, I'll phone you back. And I phoned up the source of my power and authority. It's my wife. I said, what do you think? She said, she said, Dave, just recall the conversation. She said, she actually said to me, you sounded a little stupid. Like, you don't quite know what you're doing. This is a major business deal, Dave. She said, go for 20 more. So I rang back Peter, the managing director of IKEA UK. I said, I'll do it for 120,000, Peter. He said, oh, Dave, he said, our budget only goes up to 100,000. I said, Peter, it'll be a bit of a sacrifice, but you've got yourself a deal. And you're looking at an official supplier 
of not of bedroom furnishings, but of a book coming from a revelation sold to Ikea UK. I had another revelation that God hates Volvos. And I'm expecting a lot of money for it because Volvos prior to the year 2000, how boring, how dull can you ever get? And God's not into dullness. And I just thought if the Proverbs was being written again, you know, there's seven things God hates, eight things he detests. And if it was written now, he'd say, he'd say number nine would, would be people that drive beige Volvos. Just how dull, how dull can you be to, to, to ever be seen driving a beige Volvo? And you know, this revelation really took a hold of me. And I realized that most Christians were more exciting before they got saved. You know, before people got saved, Christians got saved, they spent their time painting the town red. Come on, I can see, yes, 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 I see that hand, I see that nod. Uh Uh-huh, I see it. But when they get saved, they spend the rest of the time painting the church beige. Like, what is it? Who's the real you? You're probably more you at eight years of age than 38 years of age. Somebody's dampened you down. I had a testimony once from a guy who got saved and, and he was thank, he, he said, he said, before I was saved, I was I was wicked and I was boring. And I want to thank God I'm no longer wicked. <laughs> yeah, but you just but you're still boring. I don't know what's more wicked than the wickedness of being boring. And God wants you to shine with the fluorescent colors of heaven. He wants you to be blazing with reds, blazing with turquoise. He wants you to set the world alight, not to sit in a valley in the shadows of darkness, but to sit on a hill standing and declaring the goodness of God to a generation that's broken. That's the call of God upon your life began to realize, why is it, why is it that Christians are so dull? And then I realized it's because if somebody gets saved now, like today in the service, the first thing you'll do when you go home is you'll get your Facebook out, you'll just start pressing delete on all the photos. Delete, 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 delete. The problem with pressing delete, the problem with, with you is that when you think of your life pre-salvation was just evil and bad and wrong, and yet God loved the sinner. He just hated the sin. What you should do is you should get that, that, that photo, photo app, you know, and you should just take out that girl because you didn't even know her name. You know, take out the beer because you had an alcoholic problem. But leave yourself in the picture because God loved the sinner. All the days of his life, God loved you. And there's no such thing as being far away from God. You've made that up. It's fictitious. It doesn't exist. No one is ever far away from God. I mean, it's a long table, but sitting on the table with Putin is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not far away because when you got saved, all you did was turn your head and say, oh Lord, I need you. And he was there in the midst of the darkness of your sin. Christ was there in the darkest areas that this church is gonna move into. Christ is already there. There's no such a place as a place far away from God. And all through your life, God was close to you. You might not have felt close to God, but God was close to you from the very beginnings of everything. 
I think the other reason is because we, we, we think prior salvation that our life was secular and now our life's spiritual. But God never divides the secular from the spiritual. He divides the spiritual from the carnal. So some of you even now, the reason why there's dullness in your life is because you think, well, I'm eating lunch, now I'm carnal. But when I pray, now I'm spiritual. And yet the Bible says both are as spiritual as each other. As long as you're not carnal, then you're found in the Spirit. You're walking in the Spirit. I don't know if you saw the movie Bruce Almighty. It's, it's a classic from ages ago. It's a classic, isn't it, with Jim Carrey. Where is he now? Just he's disappeared. But the world loved Jim Carrey, and, and he got the pow- in the movie, he gets the powers of God for a week or so. And he was the small town reporter, right? And he wanted to be the anchor man, so he became the anchor man. Got all of his dreams come true. He fell in love with Jennifer Aniston. And, and he had a relationship with her. And, but he left sued the moon, caused a tsunami in Japan. Just bad things happen. And eventually he gets run over by a truck. Dead. And he goes to heaven. Guess who's in heaven? Morgan Freeman. He's, and Morgan has a talk to Bruce and says, and says, Bruce, it's just a classic line. He said, he said, Bruce, there's a divine spark in everyone. He says, your spark is to bring fun and laughter to the world around about you. It's like penny dropping moment, like a revelation. Wow, gosh, there's a call of God in my life to bring fun and laughter to the world around about me. And he got a second chance of life. He came back to planet Earth and he lived his life happily ever after. I want to say to every one of you here today that your Christian life didn't start at salvation. Your Christian life started at creation. Because the Bible says... In Psalm is 137, that God knits you together in your mother's womb, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. The DNA of heaven is already infused into every one of you pre-salvation. You know, if I if I it means that there's DNA of God in your past. There's DNA of heaven in your past. When you felt far away from God, there's, there's bits of the D, eternal DNA around about you. And I, I a number of these guys thought, I'm just going to put a CSI Miami outfit on, and I'm going to investigate the DNA of heaven pre-salvation in the life of Dave Gilpin. And so I realized that one of the characteristics that I had from, from a teenager in Melbourne for three years onwards was I loved to break into things. And I was in, in, I think I was in a, in, a, in a dance hall or a large hall at Glen Ferry Road. And, uh, and I had a ticket to see Angry Anderson, you know, from Rose Tattoo. But I thought, I'm just going to break in. And I'm on my own, no friends. Just on my own thing, I'm just going to break in. So I broke in, went into the toilet. Angry Anderson went to the urinal next to me. And then the bouncer came in and lifted me up and took me right out. And then I just lined up, went in with the ticket. But it carried on through university. When Elton John came to Sydney, I saw him three times in a row with no ticket for either of the times. The third time I saw Elton John, I was really scared. 
And because I was lining up thinking, I don't know what to do. And there's five people in front of me, then there's four people, and I'm ticketless. And then there's three people, two people. And I, you could, you'd call this a miracle, but it wasn't a miracle. The person in front of me had the same intentions. And so the person in front of me ran to the right, and every steward and every bouncer followed them. I had a great night. <laughs> Rocket man. Just, <laughs> it was just a fabulous time. I was at Sydney University studying civil engineering and, and this big Australian band came. I checked the windows out, there was bars. So I thought, I'm gonna dress up as a bouncer. So I got a little Sharpie, a text to pen, and I put the name of the band there. Put this overalls on, had a box with nothing in it except one tandy microphone that didn't work. Went straight through the front door past the 25 stone bouncers, straight into the toilet, took the overalls off, had a great time. <laughs> now, I want to say to everyone in the room, right, that's a gift from God. <laughs> it's, the difference between me and people in Pentridge is they got caught. <laughs> I didn't get caught. But it's a gift. It's just attached to evil. And when I got saved, God didn't disrupt the gift. He detached it from evil and attached it to righteousness. Because when you say you're a new creation, all things are new, your mum still recognized you after you got saved. So there's still something residue within you. There's still something in your original nature that remains intact post-salvation. It's just detached from evil. But attached to righteousness. Am I preaching well? So, um, so 29 years ago, 30 years ago, we left uh, Brisbane to go to the United Kingdom and we set up, we, we pioneered a church in Sheffield in the north of England, right? And uh, then after that, we pioneered a church in Manchester that today is the largest church in Manchester. And, you know, I never got a phone call from the mayor of Sheffield saying, come here. I never got a, a phone call from the mayor of Manchester or the mayor of Leeds or the mayor of Newcastle or the mayor of Birmingham or the mayor of London or the Queen of England broke in. I don't need an invitation. I'm already invited. Who invited me? The Holy Ghost invited me. I'm already licensed to kill the devil. On every front, I'm not waiting for a license. I'm not waiting for an invitation. It's all systems go. It's green unless God says stop. But that's how you release the colors that are within you. Stop waiting for a green light when the Bible says don't wait for perfect weather conditions, Ecclesiastes 11. This is the time to use your God-given gift because you were gifted with it at eight. It's still there at 18. It's still there at 28. It's still there at th It might be buried. But most Christians are detached from evil. That wasn't the aim. That's not freedom. That's deliverance. But this isn't just about deliverance. It's about inheritance. It's about occupation. You can't just come out of Egypt thinking, hey, I'm happy, Larry. You're not that happy. You want to come into the land flowing with milk and gifting, milk and honey, milk and originality, milk and authenticity, milk and who God created you to be. Yeah. 
there's, there's generally this four personality types. You, you know this. This is the pre-fanciful version. And uh, there's the choleric personality. And if you're choleric, your, uh, your, your catchphrase is, let's do it now. You, you kind of like the upfront type person, the upfront personality. If you were a car, you'd be a green Porsche. And there's a lot of people in this room that are green Porsches, and you started off in the flashiest of vehicles, thinking life's great, and you're pushing people around, you're ordering people around, you're having a great time, because you're using your choleric, leadershipy kind of nature. But then somewhere along the line, your standard of excellence became too high for others. And so the relationship that was meant to last for life because they couldn't match your expectations, it just lasted for two years. And eventually the windscreen gets cracked. And so you pull up at, let me think, the cross. Someone tells you about Jesus Christ, tells you about freedom, tells you about the forgiveness of sins. It's the greatest experience you could ever experience is the release of the condemnation and the capture that sin has over you. And you receive Jesus Christ into your life. Now, that's all well and good. And some people will do that at the end of this service, right? But here's the problem. You drove in, in a racing green Porsche. But you drove out in a brown Hyundai. <laughs> and you're wondering why temptations, it's because you're in the wrong car, mate. You're wondering why, what's wrong with my life? Well, just wind the window down, have a look at the color. You're driving the wrong car. You need to go back to the cross and collect what you lost at the cross. If you're melancholic, then your catchphrase is, isn't let's do it now, it's let's do it right. And because I'm melancholic, choleric, my catchphrase is let's do it right now. <laughs> so if you were a car, you'd be, you'd be a silver Mercedes. So you're thoughtful, you're strategist, you're a step maker. Can I just say that to you? If you're melancholic, you're not introverted, you're a step maker. It's the clerics say, let's go to a new level. The melancholics say, how are we going to get there? And your job is not to criticize, it's to make. It's to become a step maker. Make the steps that take everyone to the heralded new levels. Stop criticizing the clerics and the gifted vision casters when you're called to be a vision clarifier. So you're in the car having a good time and that, but you know every melancholic has a perfectionist streak. You're addicted to perfectionism, and so it, it becomes destructive because God doesn't call anyone to perfection. He calls everyone to excellence, but not to perfection. And so you begin to curse yourself. Nothing's ever good enough. And in, your, in, the, in the business you start off, nothing's ever good enough. And so, so eventually everybody leaves, and you're left completely on your own, and every tire gets punctured. Because deep in your heart, you want friends, but it seems like your rejection complex is gone because no one wants to be your friend. So you park in at the cross. And everybody, you know, you ask Jesus to forgive you of sins. You ask Jesus to come into your heart. And God does a brand new work within you. And everything's gone brilliant. Now, he's, now you know what I'm going to say. You came in in a silver Mercedes. You drove out in a Daewoo. Now, I've got to say, no one should ever be seen in a day with. 
day wounds don't suit melancholics. It's not a melancholic's heart, car. And you think, what's wrong with me? No, the, it's because you've denied the original you. You become too spiritual for your own good. You just need to go back to the cross. There's more lost property at the cross than Tullamarine Airport. It's filled with lost stuff. There's more lost stuff than used stuff. If you're, if you're sanguine, then you don't care about let's do it now or let's do it right. It's just let's have fun doing it. <laughs> so if you're a car, well, you'd be a red mini with a Union Jack on the roof, wouldn't you? That'd be your car, wouldn't it? You know? and, and you have love in life because sanguines love life. But they do have, they are slightly averse to or slightly uh, tempted by, because they've got no boundaries. And so it started with marijuana. But with a lack of boundaries, they never stopped with marijuana. It moved into the heart of drugs. And then you start stealing from your grandmother. You know it's a bad thing, but that's what addiction does. And then instead of going out with one person at one time, you decide to go out with three people at the same time until they met each other at the club. So all of a sudden, the bonnet flips up. You're a complete and utter mess. And someone tells you about Jesus. And you got saved. That's your story. You, you're not nodding because you don't want to give away just how rotten you were. You think, no, I'm respectable now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know. <laughs> so you drove in in a red mini with a union jack on the roof. But you drove out in a beige Volvo. The curse of every sanguine. And lastly, if you're phlegmatic... And you're an all, you know, it's not, it's not, let's do it now, let's do it right, let's have fun doing this. Let me help you do it, right? So you don't actually have a car, you have a four-wheel drive to carry everybody else's junk. <laughs> you know, you're, you're the ones that, with the church picnic, you're the ones with every, all the stuff, you're the ones with all the chairs, because all the clerics have ordered you around. <laughs> so you're in your Range Rover. And then, and then because, because you easily get used, then you come under a controlling spirit. You become not subservient. You become, uh, you become uh, uh, well, you become subservient to the pressures around about you until you become a doormat. There's no more fuel in the car. There's no more air in the tires. Someone tells you about Jesus Christ and you get saved, but you came in in a, in a gleaming Range Rover, but you went out, not even in a car, but on a bicycle. You think, why is life so hard going up hills? It's because you're on a bike. <laughs> That's why it's so hard. You shouldn't be driving a bike. This Christian life is filled with power, filled with dynamic, filled with creation, filled with supernatural power from heaven. What do you, why are you on a bike? So I suggest you come back to, I did it, I came back to the cross. And I said, God, I think I've left something here. And how about the keyboard player coming back up, right? And, and, and Jesus, tears in his eyes, saying, I've been waiting for this moment. I'm waiting for you to return, Dave. Back to 
find what you let go of. So you know, under the cross, a whole lot of sins, right? You know it and I know it. There's an oil slick of rebellion. There's, 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 there's Coke cans of pride. There's barbed wire of independence. And he said, just keep on digging. And we're a multiple of personalities. I thought, God, is that? And there's a little section of Union Jack. I said, God, is, who, what is that? And God says, it's your car days. I think, oh, well, Holy Spirit, come be the claw. Claw it out. Let's just, so the Holy Spirit claws it out. And then the Holy Spirit says, Dave, back up, back up your beige Volvo. So I backed it up. He said, pop the bonnet. He takes out the V8 engine, the beautiful V8 engine of the new heart that Christ gave you at salvation. And he puts it into the red mini with the Union Jack on the roof. It's too big for it, but then the power of God's too big for you. Get some bungee cords, bungees the bonnet down. Go and live happily ever after. Oh, keep your plug and come back. Yeah. Oh, is he coming? Just finishing off his cigarette. <laughs> oh no, give him some time. <laughs> Kidding. While we're waiting for him, right? I've got some books. And this book's called The Hit Factory. The, me- the next big thing is the next you. Saying, so well, what's the plans of God? No, no, the next you is the next big thing. St- stop waiting for the next big thing. The next big thing is the next you. It's a book all about it. This is, this is a book and a map. I, I drew the, a map of the Christian's mind. And everything starts at the Grand Central Station of the will. And inside you are fields of dreams, floods of emotion, there's cities of habit. But the skyline of your mind will determine the skyline of your future. There's no doubt about it. It's all about Romans chapter 12, verse number two. This is think twice, it's 500 nuggets of truth for the Christian walk. This is one of my favorites, Jesus save me from your followers. Oh, we need saving from so many followers of Jesus Christ. This is my book, Sacred Cows Make Great Barbecues. This is my book called Man Boobs and Other Human Rights. This is my book, Rage Against Beige. And this is my wife's book called She Is. And it's a coffee table book from her devotions. And they're available. The more you get, the, the cheaper it becomes. My, wife, my, my son said to me when he was about 12 years of age, he said, Dave, he said, let's, we're in Sheffield in England. He said, let's go and see Mary Poppins' dad. And Mary Poppins don't only just come to the stage, to the West End. And uh, because every new musical, it'd be the same in Melbourne, every new musical in England is, is booked out for six to nine months. So I knew that. He knew that. But he kept looking at me because he knew that I've got the gift. So I said, why don't we go this Friday? He said, good idea, Dad. Three-hour trip, pick him up from school, three-hour trip down to London, go to Leicester Square. The guy, the guy says, no, they're all booked out. We, I said, where's it on at? He said, Soho. So it's eclectic area. And we're there. We, it starts at 7.30. 20 past 7, we're just still standing there. Son looks at me, I look at him. 
both thinking God's got 10 minutes to come through. He leaves everything to the last minute. It's terrible, but we just have to go with it because he's God. 29 minutes pass without any extrapolation or lies. This guy comes out. He says, I've got two tickets. He shouts it out. I've got two tickets to Mary Poppins. Does anyone want them? Yes. So he says, here they are. He said, follow me. And we're, we're expecting, my son's expecting to go up, up to the top, you know. But he says, no, come this way. We go into the stalls. We go into where, where the queen sits, you know, where Bert and Ernie sit. And, and we take our seats. The, the curtain opens. And I missed the entire first half of Mary Poppins because I was busy texting everybody. Still got the gift. And I've just got to drop into the anointing right now and say, you've still got it. You've still got it. It's still the treasure's still there. It's just buried. It's just lying there, but it's still there. The giftings and callings of God are irrevocable. Once you've got it, you've got it. I'm here because I'm a smiling assassin of sacred cows. I'm here because I'm religion's greatest enemy. I'm here because religion has squashed you down. Pharisaicism, the law, has disconnected you from the life of Christ and from the God that He created you and made you to be wonderful and fearful. Now I'm looking in this, in this last minute, I'm looking for a reconnection between you and, let me think, you. Stop trying to please everybody. Stop trying. You want to be good, but you don't want to be perfect. Stop trying to be perfect. You're going to kill yourself being perfect. You want to be perfectly imperfect. There's a beautiful person in you. There's somebody who's aching to be reconnected. The future of this church requires you to be disconnected from boring disconnected from tick lists and reconnected to the Creator God who called you before the beginning of time for such a time. Who knows what plans of God are for each one of you. They're for good and not for evil, but the seed of the plan's already in you. God wants to enable you to take it trip back through history and look at the times you sparked because the sparks were the divine spark of heaven and if you could reconnect with it and connect to righteousness we're in business close your eyes Father I pray I, I declare freedom freedom in this house for every melancholic freedom every sanguine freedom, freedom, real freedom, for every choleric freedom, reconnection, for every phlegmatic freedom. Father God, you've gifted us and used us. You've already sorted the pieces out. You, you've already got a race for us to run. But I pray, Jesus, that these little foxes, these things that try to tie themselves around our legs, this false expectations, this, this false pressure upon us would go in Jesus' name. Go. I pray that people would now make a trip back to the cross.
And with the help of the Holy Spirit, then refine the missing pieces. Father, we need it in order to change this planet. We need the new us to be reconnected to the original us in order to create the next us. And the next us is the next big thing. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life, and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.